podcast about the world of football. My name's Tommy C and I'm here this week with just Colby. Just me, boys. To discuss the weekend's A-League action and we're also going to dabble in a little bit of uh, Socceroos chat this week as well. Um, Colby, you just come back from a big weekend on the Gold Coast with our Sunday League team. I wasn't there, but uh, look, who was, who was rustier? A, you at work today or B, the A-League teams this weekend? Oh, definitely me at work, 100%. The A-League teams were quite sharp, Tommy. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Most I think of them, most of them. I agree. Not all of them were. There was there were some that looked like they might have been on the Gold Coast with you on the weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, shall we... Um... Yeah, we'll kick into it. I was just going to say, my, my, my voice is back to normal. You might notice this week, listeners, last week was a little bit bassy. Uh, might be a bit, bit scratchy this weekend from belting out karaoke tunes with the boys. But uh, yeah, this, this week it's, it should be back to normal. Bit high, sort of like Nepal, or not sure. that quite high. Not, not that, not quite <laughs> that quite high. It's got got a bit less altitude down here. All right, mate. Even though you're away uh, um, up the coast on the Gold Coast, uh, hanging out with um, with Clive, no doubt. Um, you were able to watch some football over the weekend. Where? What? Yeah. What, what stood stood out to you? Well, we watched. Uh, well, I, I had the boys, so we were away on a, on a football trip uh, for the team that Tommy and I play in. Um, at the Goldie, and uh, yeah, we, we were just kicking it around the the accommodation, and we we caught up with Adelaide, Sydney, Western Sydney, Central Coast, and uh, and the Melbourne Derby as well. Had had the boys That's good for all, a boys weekend. all around that, yeah. So look, but I mean, and there's a it, few Poms as well who don't really like the A League. I, I was around the house just selling the A League, <laughs> uh, and and you know, Do, doing more uh, marketing than than I think I've done more marketing in the A League in this weekend than the uh, than the the clubs have done all year. Uh, but that is another matter entirely. Um, but in terms of a moment, it's just the A-League being back, Tommy. Like, uh, you know, love this time of year. Um, we saw some cracking goals, um, some of the games, and we'll get to those, of course. Um, it's good to see the fans back out, and, and, and the real, real, it was a real buzz this weekend, I felt. Yeah, look, it's it's great this time of year when, um, like, I remember a couple of weeks ago, or near on two months ago, really, when, when the Premier League was back and you, you felt that real buzz. And, look, it's not quite the same with the A-League this year, but still, it's it's local football. It's it's great to get down to a game. I was lucky enough to get down to a game. And it's just great to be back in and around football at a decent time zone. Yeah, <laughs> massive. Um, for me, look... Um, my moment of the week has to be um, we've got a we've got a new Korean bullet um, of the best non-goal celebration um, after Elvis Cam Soda's Cam uh, Sober's disallowed goal against Melbourne City in the derby. This for me was just fantastic. I was watching this live and um, was just it was it was just a thing of beauty because 
watching it live, I went, oh, I don't know if that's onside. And he wheeled away and did about 70 backflips. I was going to ask you, was there a count on that? Because we were we were stood around the TV when that goal went in as well and all watching it. And, and we went through the same, oh, I, I don't know here. I think he's yeah. I think he's offside. And, you know, we were sort of going, yeah, yeah, that, you know, that's because the, the VAR, um, you know, the, the rule is the lino keeps the flag down. If it's sort of 50-50, lets it play and then mm-hmm. VAR can pick it up. And sure enough, uh, clear offside and uh, what a moment. Yep, it it was just hilarious. And um, not only that, but it was just great to see all the triggered Victory fans when it was disallowed as well. That was almost as good as Cam Sober's um, celebration. I love that that's your moment of the week. Too. Yeah, well, it says <laughs> a lot about me um, and Victory fans really, doesn't it? Um, look, a, a close second goes to um, McGowan um, for his uh, VAR-related celebration yeah. uh, after there was the disallowed goal. And he was, just before it was disallowed, he was doing the VAR signal, which was... Yeah, a little bit too soon, mate. Too soon. Um, it's gone early. Yep, no good. Um, Bill Colby, what about you For in terms of... Uh, what, what didn't you like this week? Uh, one own goal from me this week. Um, it's, it's Western United. It was actually Ooh, last what? week uh, announcing... <laughs> woo! Sorry, sorry, woo. Sorry, woo fans. Uh they they Just did one it. week after we had um one one week after the we Western gassed United them boys. up, got around the Western <laughs> United boys. We've got to ba- we've got to balance our coverage, okay? Uh, when, they, when are we going to get some Melbourne Victory people on? Never. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Western United last week announced uh, Sportsbet as their official wagering partner, um, and last week uh, the seventh to thirteenth of October was actually Gambling Harm Awareness Week in Vic. Uh, so I mean, definitely an own goal, but I mean. Good reminder. Is it, is it also because it's the the wrong gambling company, Colby? Uh, uh, no, we won't go into that. Um, <laughs> but look, it, it's it's not only people who gamble, but like those those around people who gamble that experience uh-huh. um, or who are at risk of gambling harm as well. And I suppose we better say something about gambling harm awareness week if we raise it. Because um, basically the, the whole point of the week is for people to talk, share and support mm-hmm. about it. It's The week's over now, but I mean, you know, if, if anyone out there um, is experiencing gambling harm or, um, you know, know someone who is, um, you know, have, have an open, non-judgmental conversation with them. Yeah, you're, you're right. Like, um, there's a lot of people that have a lot of fun with gambling, but there's also the odd person who just can take it too far sometimes. And look, gambling can ruin lives as well, which... Um, is pretty horrible, really. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't turn this into a moment of the week, but, uh, you know. Oh, no, it's yeah, definitely not a moment of the week. We're saying. We're saying. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on, though. Uh, in terms of my own goal this week, look, I'm really surprised that neither of us are going to bring up um, Wagatha Christie um, and the... Uh, the the Colleen Rooney versus Rebecca Vardy thing, but that, that's a the, moment of the week. Yeah, look, and I that was really so long ago too. It, it was only three days ago or something. Yeah. Or actually, no, it was a bit, bit longer ago than that. I was explaining to someone about that. Um, I was explaining what happened to my barista, <laughs> who's a chick who lives in where does she live? Bloody, uh, I think she lives in uh, Coburg, and she doesn't really follow football, but she was loving just like the. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here aspect to it. I've just had a vision of that meme where there's that bloke in that Edinburgh <laughs> club and he's like telling the board, he's like whispering in the board girl's ear as you oh. at the barista shop just being we- like, oh, look, let me tell you about Colleen and Rebecca. I thought you were going to talk about the <laughs> meme. I thought you were going to talk about the meme where it's Harry Maguire leaning against the, uh, the fence at the, at the football game. That was what I thought you were going to say. And I was like, oh, mate, you're I mean, those, kind, those, are the, those are the two ways we both <laughs> imagine that going down. Yeah, I know. But look, my own goal this week was actually A-League schedulers. Um, and for ri- relying on derbies to drum up interest. 
And we've seen this a little bit over the last couple of years where like, we know that uh, the derbies, they're marquee fixtures. They've deliberately put in Western Sydney, Melbourne City and Western United now to basically, uh, so that there are derbies or more derbies now in the league. And it's it's almost got to the point now where they're very reliant upon mar- uh, um, derbies as marquee fixtures to really pump up the league. And this year, I think it was really taken to another level where we saw like the complete lack of marketing up until, what, three days before the season kicked off. And it resulted in just a really flat atmosphere at the derby. It, it felt like it was obviously a derby, but it didn't really feel like one. Obviously, there was no Kevin Musket there. Um, there was a lot of change. No over goals. In, yeah, a lot of change over <laughs> in the teams as well. And we'll talk about the match in a little bit more detail later. But I think, like all of these things, could have conspired against the game just not not being like the spectacle that it could and should be. Um, ultimately, I think the um, look the the A League exist for derbies not derbies exist for the a-league like in terms of drumming up interest and so yeah look for me um i I hope that next year they don't have a derby in round one because i think you need a little bit of sort of natural natural energy to be produced through just talking about football and coverage and well maybe that will be the thing tommy i mean uh yeah look I i do agree and i think this is the the fifth time they've had a derby in sort of the 15 years of the a league mm. or in its 15th season now um, but yeah, you're right. Like, do you know what else kicks off the league with a bang? Uh, steady marketing. <laughs> yeah, and look, I actually thought the the best game of the round was Adelaide and Sydney, and I thought that was a better advertisement for for the league. And you you know what? I think we couldn't have asked for a better game to kick off uh, the season this year. So um, look, I guess maybe without any further ado, we'll um, kick on to the A League now. Man's favourite Barbarusis. He's trying to play the strike partner with Fondra. Ninkovic takes over, weaves his way through. Lovely ball, chance for two. A tap in for Lafondra. Sydney double their lead. And it was expertly worked between four players. Terrific football. And the champions are two in front. The three leaders. Who's going to have it? McGree runs over it. Miliusnic. Oh! That is a terrific goal by Nikola Miliusnic. And that's lifted the mood around Cooper Stadium. Super hits off the set piece. Who needs Goodwin or Isaias with that sort of quality? Okay, so uh, as I was just saying, we're going to kick off uh, with Adelaide versus Sydney. It was the first match of uh, this season's A-League and... What a cracker. It was a really great game, I thought, to kick off the season. Um, two teams that um, uh, Adelaide's got a new manager, um, Pim Verbeek's cousin. Gethian Verbeek. Oh, jeez. Nice and guttural there. I've been practicing with uh, <laughs> with our, uh, our Dutch, uh, Dutch friend, friend of the, show, of the pod. Lewis Meets. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, look, yeah, plenty of action in this one. Um, the first key uh, key moment was about the 20th minute mark with uh, Jakobsen unluckily ha- uh, handling the ball. Um, Colby, what did you think of this one? Do you think it was this was the right call? Yeah, 100%. I like. I mean, I'm gonna, just going to say it now. I think every um, VAR-related call um, in this game was um, w- was correct this week. I think they, they did a bang-up job. I wouldn't disagree with that, mate. In fact, I, I think there's, there's always a danger with you and I on the pod when it's just the tours because yeah. you and I... <laughs> Furious we, agreement. Yeah, exactly. So, man, I'm going to have to play devil's advocate at some point, aren't I? 
Um, but yeah, so look, Adam Lafondra uh, put away the penalty to make it 1-0 for Sydney. And it was only 10 minutes later with uh, Barbarousas, Ninkovic, Barmjohan and Lafondra all combining to make really a Man City-esque goal. This was just really sharp. And this was the one moment where I thought over the weekend where I, I thought to myself, Sydney really looked the business and here is a team that does not have any rust on them. Um, uh, then uh, it was probably what another ten minutes later on the, the about the forty first minute when uh, Adelaide get a f- got a free kick in a dangerous area. Uh, no Isaias, no Craig Goodwin, but didn't seem to matter. You had Nikola uh, Mil- Milayuznic. Good, 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 yep, clear. No, no Mayo. No, move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got you got um, that one. But he, uh, look, he, he absolutely put it top ins. And I think, look, the keeper could have maybe oh, done a little wowie. bit better. But look, I, I don't want to... Yeah, that was that was my chance to beat, to play Zevil's advocate, This wasn't it? free kick, Tommy, <laughs> was elite. Like, if, if that was Messi or Mares or Trent Alexander-Arnold, this one would be... You reckon that's a worldie? This one would be all over. It wasn't exactly top ins, but look, oh, it, it, Gee, does need, it does it need respect, doesn't kick. it? Yeah. It does need respect. Yeah, the, the keeper's not getting that... And uh, at that point, you thought, "Well, we've we've got a game on our hands here." Um, after half time, my boy, Al Hassan Toure. Tommy, uh, look, I think we're going to stop you there. I think we need to check the tapes on uh, whose whose boy Al Hassan Toure was, because uh, I think Damo and I were gassing him, uh, and myself in particular. I'm, I just got to say, in the uh, in the FFA Cup, uh, but you match against the Brisbane but, Strikers, so but you didn't gas him. Uh, for the preview, not app. sufficiently. All right, okay. No, so, and, and you didn't say anything last week, so I'm afraid, mate, he's my boy now. This was a very well taken goal, though. Um, the 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 assist for it was particularly good too. The timing, the VAR checked it again. He was on side, but the way he moves his body, uh, gets in front of the defender and just slots it. I mean, this is a guy who's making his A League debut, and uh, he didn't look know, like it, did he? No, he looked a very assured player. He not only started and took his goal well, um, and but the celebration was a bit of cheek as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this this is a, a really good goal, I, I agree. And uh, I remember, I think it was one of the commentators said that um, we are witnessing here a um, like a natural goal scorer and we don't see them in the A-League, like mm. definitely not Australian. Mm. So, That's um, good, actually, because I didn't, I didn't hear any of the commentary because, yeah, we were watching it at a boys' weekend. <laughs> was that was the one it? aspect of the games I missed this weekend. <laughs> well, I mean, you could call that a miss or not, depending on who's commentating. But, uh, yeah, we, d- we didn't have the benefit of the commentary, so we, we had to do the, uh, our own interpreting. But look, yeah. So hopefully he can he can keep on and he stays fit, keeps getting minutes, keeps putting the ball on the back well, of the he net. He does that every week. He's going to get minutes. Yeah, but uh, look, unfortunately, um, it didn't stay uh, too awful long. Um, about five minutes later, Adelaide copped a red card. Ultimately, a pretty soft red card. But I don't think there's many that would argue that this was a red card. Um, it was uh, Ryan Strain, is it? Yep. Ryan Strain. Um, the Adelaide, I think he's fullback, isn't he? He, yep. he, he got sent off for uh, pulling back Adam LaFondra after he was pretty much the wrong goal um, near the 18-yard box. And um, LaFondra just f- collapsed to the ground Very like an soft. absolute sack of... Yep. But he, uh, look, it, it was a foul and there was no doubting that he fouled him and that it was a clear and obvious goal-storing opportunity. So the referee had no choice but to send him off. And look, that was uh, followed by 20 minutes of soccer Twitter just straining not to use strain <laughs> puns, um, and so that was that. Was I just got on the strain train. Oh, jeez, it was <laughs> it was it was a pretty awful time to be on soccer Twitter. I've got to be honest. Um, and look, it only it only managed to be a, a, about another four minutes before Sydney um, 
Sydney managed to have had to play in uh, Costas Barbarossas uh, through uh, the Adelaide defence uh, via a pass from a beautifully beautiful pass actually I thought from Brandon O'Neill, um, but unfortunately this one was called uh, offside and the, the the goal was disallowed. Um, there's another ten minutes before. Um, Barbarossas was in again. Um, however, this time it was cleared off the line by Akerson after he'd beaten Izzo. Um, game really uh, started to get stretched at this point, and, uh, but it did really appear as though Sydney were the most likely team to score. Um, and it took uh, Ryan McGowan, the returning Adelaide boy, um, to, to score the winner on the 85th minute. Good, thumping, good header, this one. Thumping header. But where was the marking? Yeah, totally zonal. Yep. It was, um, yeah, look, not Adelaide's finest moment of the game. And they started to, that, that was evidence, I guess, of just them being tired first round, maybe a little bit underdone. And really, they'd, they'd been really chasing the game. Um, let's um, let's talk, Colby, about front, front threes, though. We talk about front threes a lot in, like, world football. But that front front four, geez, I'm struggling a little bit tonight. That front four for Sydney is pretty scary, though, isn't it? Is, is that the best... Front three in the league, those four oh, players. Look, I think uh, <laughs> I think Fornaroli, Economides, and um, Castro have got to be. It's uh, not a bad shout. It's got to be um, up there. But um, yeah, look, we were we were talking a little bit in the um, preseason pod about how Ninkovic and Bamiyan um, could play together um, on the same team. But I mean, I think we've just seen it right there. How, they how can that, do it? Can't yeah, they? they can. They can do it, and they can do it well. Yeah. Um, and you know, Ninkovic and Costa Barbarossa supplying Adam Lafondra this season. That's uh, that's going to be a pretty big year for him. And, and they showed as well that like this is going to be quite a different team uh, with no Josh Briante as well. Um, this is not going to be Graham Arnold's um, sort of not, not stodgy 4-2-3-1, but um, at times they could um, just really grab a game by the scruff of neck and sort of throttle it. And this was... They, they were a bit more open, I thought, um, but they did look very, very dangerous. Um little bit of uh, trivia, I guess, that I want to nick from uh, nick from, from Twitter. Um, this was, like, I thought this summed up this game beautifully, which um, they referred to it as uh, a full house in A-League bingo. Obviously, a bit of a mixed metaphor there, but had five goals, had a comeback, an unsuccessful comeback, three VAR calls, a penalty, a goal allowed and a goal disallowed. The rattle, uh, sorry, the woodwork was rattled. There was a glorious free kick, handbags. There was a penalty. It was a red card, and of course, there was a late winner. So and some individual brilliance. Yeah. <laughs> but look, um, I thought this um, this this game was the perfect advertisement for the A League and how it can really be a really entertaining product. Um, both teams, uh, I thought, like they didn't show any rust, as I was saying earlier, and just I, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I was watching with a few a few guys who are not fans of the A League, or you know, not from Australia, and um, yeah, they that this was a pretty good advertisement for it. Um, they were they were quite surprised by the quality and um, obviously the entertainment of the game as well. So it was uh, yeah, very, great ad for the A League. Yeah, something that um, should have really been a, a fantastic ad for the A-League, though, was Western Sydney Wanderers returning home to Parramatta. Um, unfortunately, though, what happened on the field wasn't probably nearly as exciting as the um, as the Adelaide-Sydney game, though. Um, I actually thought this was, especially in comparison, but just in general, I thought this was a bit of a poor game. And although there were some moments uh, of mm. quality, I thought it sort of lacked the same quality and intensity as, as the game we were just discussing. Um, Western City Wanderers obviously making their return to Parramatta in what looks genuinely a stunning 
Dolphins' new stadium. That looks an absolute peach. And Damo was there, and um, people uh, who follow us on Facebook and Twitter would have seen some of the footage and, and photos of the, the, the march up Church Street and some of the photos and footage from inside the stadium. And it looked like it was a really great day. I, I think they were expecting seventeen. Uh, sorry, uh, 20,000. They only got seventeen. Maybe a little bit of rain. Um, a few empty seats, but yeah, it looked um, it looked lively for for the ones that did turn up. Yeah, and so I think that um, you get a you get a nicer day, um, and I think the the fans will will pack out the stadium, and as well like Central Coast, they're not exactly um, people aren't going to watch them uh, as an away team as well. So, um, but look, unfortunately, Central Coast uh, they they started the game basically by spoiling the party on about the thirtieth minute. Uh, with Milan Juric's looping effort beating the Wanderers' Swiss goalkeeper, Daniel Lopar. What did you think of this one? Gee whiz, this was a good goal. Oh, you liked it. I rated it. Yes, it took a deflection, but like, still a still a lovely goal. And I love it when they kiss the crossbar on the way <laughs> under as well. It was, it was and, very and nice. And it's got to like, hit the ground and then bounce back up and mm. hit, the, hit the net, like at the top. It's... it's uh, Gives me shivers, um, but it was funny. Like the first couple of times I watched this, I went, "Oh, geez, that's a rubbish effort by the keeper. He's just clean missed it." But it actually does. It loops up over him, and he's only sometimes when the goalkeeper is only a meter or two off of his line, it can make a huge, huge difference. And this was one of those uh, occasions. But look, um, Western City Wanderers did reply uh, soon after uh, with uh, Mitch Duke taking a really nicely taken uh, header from uh, from a corner uh, from a, from the near post, which I actually thought this was a better goal. And I think this is this was um, a great goal. But Tommy, where was where was the Central Coast defender on the the, the near but, post? But he's like a just good, put someone on the post, guys. True, but he is a good like two or three meters in front of the in front of the near post. Take nothing and away from Mitch Duke's header. It was, it was amazing. Very well taken, and like, but I mean, you know, you put a guy on the post. Yeah, true. Um, I, I don't, to be honest, I don't remember Mitch Duke from from the alley. I remember he was at Central Coast. I remember he was quite good. I think he was a little bit underrated. He's definitely was come he... back a very improved player, hasn't he? Because yep. he came back partway through last season and, and sort of sort of showed it in glimpses. But the, you know, the Mariners have basically uh, you know built a lot of this team around him now. It looks like, and he's a real leader in that team as well. You saw him barking at people, and even when there was sort of some average moments, not poor moments, but just average moments. And he was really willing the team and always pushing people to be better or work harder. And like you don't you don't you saw sort of Kevin Musket do that back when he was playing, but not to the I haven't seen someone do that in the same way. Um not for a couple of seasons now in the A League. So I think Kev, um Kilkenny did it sometimes when he was at Sea, you'd see him really getting stuck into his own teammates. And Look, if uh, if the Wanderers can put together a couple of uh, a couple of positive results, I think that that leadership could be really positive for them. Um, Duke, uh, we, look, we've just been talking about Mitch Duke and gassing him a little bit, but as it turned out, uh, the captain, the Wanderers captain, he was instrumental in um, in the uh, a lot of the Wanderers' best moves, I thought, um, and so it was only appropriate that he stepped up uh, and tucked home the winning goal, a VAR awarded penalty. Um, Colby, we've talked a lot about the uh, the Wanderers in this game, and particularly Mitch Duke as well. But I want to, I guess, switch to uh, talking about Central Coast. It probably would have been pretty disappointing for for Stajic. Um, I thought they looked decent value, at least for a point. You think they'd be pretty disappointed to get nothing out of this? Yeah, I think they deserved a point on the road. Um, you mean, you know, the um, the penalty was um, duly awarded, but the, the Mariners matched them. The Mariners, um, you know, the, the the Wanderers didn't create that much. Um, I, I thought the Mariners. Um, looked looked dangerous. They created plenty of chances. Tommy Orr looked like he had a really good game. 
um, Jordan Murray, just like that whole sort of front three um, played very well. Obviously, then you had Juric ch- chipping in with his goal as well. Um, yeah, they, they they look a team, and and we said this in the preview. Um, they, they're gonna they're gonna take it to teams, and they they're gonna get results this season. Then yeah. I don't think they're gonna finish on bottom. I think the biggest thing is that they need a win early on in the season. Like you, we've seen it in previous years where they've made losing a habit, and they've they've made a habit of turning close uh, close games when they're winning, and they've turned them into draws. And when they're drawing games, they find a way to lose. And so they really need, I think, to get a to get a win or two under their belt, and then I think they'll become a lot more comfortable in their skin and um, be a much more competitive team. I think, obviously, if you win games, you're competitive, but you know what I mean. Mm. They can't make losing a habit like they have in previous years. Yeah, look, another thing that stood out to me in this game as well is um, so the A League's fifteen now, um, and we're starting to get those stories um that come with the next gen coming through. Mm. So you had um. Dan, Dan Wilmering, um, who apparently was 11 years old and a ball boy at the Wanderers' first uh, ever home match and then found himself out there a bit earlier than expected in this game. But it just seems... He's only 18 or 19. This yeah. wasn't his full debut, but he... Yeah. yeah I think he made like he's a two-minute substitution last year. Last yeah. year in like the final minute. But, mm. um, you know, what a story. And, and I, I just love stories like this, especially in our league that's, that's such a fledgling league still. It just seems befitting that this is sort of like phase two of the A-League now. Um, and, and it's also, really starting to grow up the league now, isn't it? Like yeah. it's, it's maturing both in a in an actual sense, but also like you say, this next generation of players that are coming through that were kids when it started. And I think Mo and Adam don't, don't um, know any different as well. They only know the A League. That is the football league that they have always had in front of them. Yep. And I think Mo Adam also was a Western Sydney fan, and I think he was, you know there in the RBB or the crowd or whatever. What? Um, what do you mean he wasn't? <laughs> and and now and now he's playing for them as well and it's just just great story and um I also read a read a stat that um in round 1 of the A League last season there was um teenagers played a total of something like 5 minutes and in this round 1 of the A League um cumulatively they played over 500 minutes so i mean people people sit around and talk about youth not being given chance in in the league hopefully we're going to see a different um different story this season yeah like um last season we obviously had Arzani sorry it was the season before where we had Arzani really break through and we've had like we've had a couple uh, of exciting ones but this season I feel like I feel like there are so many exciting young players in the league this season well this year it's it's not going to be isolated incidences it's going to be like every every team has like two or three teenagers who Mm. are like genuinely exciting Mm. And, and you're right like uh, watching Arzani and Rogic and other those, those other players come through. Well, and when Arzani came through, like the, the whole nation was basically. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he was like showing great potential, but because like there was such a drought and such a yearning for, like you know, a, a new young hope to sort of like for everyone in every Australian football fan to pen, pin their hopes on, he was the only one who just was coming through in that year, really. But now we've got so many, so it, it's fantastic. And. And the, like the best part about like my my personal experience when it came to Arzani breaking through was like I was there for all of those uh, those moments where he really announced himself uh, in, in uh, to the A League and it was like when that guy is he's playing for Celtic or if he's playing for maybe someone after that in the Premier League or in Germany or in Italy or God knows where he's going to end up like I'll always remember that experience and that connection that I have with that player which like. We talk about like entertain, uh, football as a product, but it's a it's a game of emotions as well. And if you can, if you have that emotion that's drawn out of going to games and seeing these things, 
you're always drawn back to those memories of seeing that player come through. And it, it, it's just, um, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm taking this, but, <laughs> but I've, I've just lost, lost my head. Um, Arzani, Caught up in it. Arzani's living rent free in my, in my head. <laughs> but look, this is, this is why we follow the sport and it's, it's, it's why we love it. That's why we go to games every weekend. And um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing more young players break through into the A-League so that I can say, yeah, I remember that kid when he was breaking through at, at 18 years old and when he first had his, his big moments. Um, but look, anyway, oh, I feel like I need a cold shower after this. Um, I'll tell you what, though, um, what felt like a cold shower was, um, unfortunately, was the Melbourne Derby. This was, uh, look, this was maybe an example of the A-League not putting its best foot forward. I've already talked about the scheduling issues and how they kind of were really relying on the, the derby here to really sort of blow up and to be a great showcase for, for the league. But it just didn't really end up being that way. I thought the, the atmosphere in the stadium was pretty flat at kickoff, despite um, Marvel actually put on a pretty bloody good show here. It I looked thought. pretty nice, actually, on TV. Yeah. Um, they had the roof closed, did they? Yeah, so yeah. the roof was closed. Um, and about, um, so just before the players came out, they got, uh, they turned all the lights off and got everyone to get out their phone and sort of put it on torch mode and stuff like that. And it actually made like a pretty bloody good atmosphere. The music was pumping. And um, although oh, the Don't mention fans, the music too much. Yeah, look, I'm not a fan of the music, but... Um, this was actually a, a pretty good atmosphere. Um, for whatever reason, the Victory fans were not actually in very good voice this game. There was one end where they were completely quiet, um, and then up the other end where they're normally pretty loud, they were still pretty quiet. Yeah, um, I, I think that I think that the North Terrace sort of like made a little bit of a comeback, but then things well, sort of simmered down at the game, right? Yeah, not only that, but um. So I was up, I think it's the southern end, which is sort of traditionally the sort of quieter end. But then, um, yeah, and the the North Terrace, I think they'd camped up on like the top tier, but they were on the other side of one of those big concrete pylons. Mm. So I could sort of hear them every every so often. They were pretty bloody noisy. Um, and I could see people sort of around them looking at them going, what the bloody hell is that? Because they obviously had no idea what was going on. I think they, don't they want to move up to the, the like the top in the terraces now so that they can just basically yeah. be dickheads and do whatever they want? Like rather than be right down there generating the noise where they're sort of attracting the, the sort of closer um, sort of inspection of the uh, security and police presence well, there and, and there's sort of pressure on them mm. to sort of um, be identifiable, et cetera, et cetera. So. Because they're a sort of, they're, a, they're officially part of the club then, then they sort of have to, like the heads or the capos need to sort of have a, a, a more defined relationship like with the club. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a weird situation. But look, um, I don't know. I, di- I didn't really, I just thought like... Both situations are not super desirable for the atmosphere, right? No, um, I didn't. I didn't really like it, but I felt like there's sort of an element of just wanting to be like either different or just wanting to be anti-authoritarian by not being aligned with the club. Like, like it's like that. You know how well, we, that's what being an ultra is, right? Like that's true. what that's what all like all of these like that's how it started in Europe or, or wherever. But people give shit to like City and say, "Oh yeah, all your fans are sixteen-year-olds," but like, isn't that a bit? juvenile as well like oh you can't tell me what to do yeah you know what i mean anyway look um it did take uh close to 55 minutes i thought for this game to really come alive after really what was a uh, arguably an incident free uh first half um players looked pretty rusty they were lacking combinations um just like they both teams had new coaches and a major turnover of players 
So yeah, yeah, that, it'll, it'll do, that'll do that, won't it? And a bit of a perfect storm, huh? Um, but yeah, so um, in the first half there were a few chances. One to Lockie Wales, who shot just wide and probably should have done better. And Delbridge also stopped uh, Ola Toivonen from pulling the trigger at the near post after some tidy wing play from Naboo. Um, entering the second half though, and we'll talk about the crowd a little bit more. The Paper Plains made an appearance, which that for me is always very concerning. This is meant to be the like the A League big event, right? After probably arguably the Sydney Derby, like Victory have arguably better crowds, but for Paper Planes to be showing up in a Derby... That but are the Paper Planes the cause of the bad atmosphere or a symptom? No, a symptom. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. I, think, I thought that they were a symptom of just the game, just having yeah. no energy uh, or intensity. And uh, look, it reminded me of, you know, like we've been to those games where like Ronaldo or, and Real Madrid come out and people, like they're not normally following football and not normally going to games, so... After half an hour and Ronaldo's already gone off, they're a little bit like, well, what, do, what do we do here? But these are the kids, right? These are the yeah. families that the um, the well, FFA no, these, in particular these... and, and now the clubs and, and the league wants to attract. So, I mean, you sort of, you know, you can have 33,000 people there and maybe 1,000 are throwing paper planes or you can have, um, you it know, 15,000 people there and everyone's engaged yeah. and, and probably... You know, most most really engaged football fans would say, "Give us fifteen and put us in a small stadium. We don't need thirty thousand in in Marvel Stadium." Yeah, and look, there was only about thirty thousand there. Which look, there's been better better crowds for derbies, but that's still not the worst, still not a the solid best. crowd, I mm. guess, as well for for an A League game. It's still what three times the size of the next biggest crowd in the A League on the weekend. Um, but look, uh, back to the football. Um, this wasn't really. Yeah, was there a football match yeah, played here? It or? wasn't really a lot of highlights, really. Discuss. Um, late in the game, Toivonen clashed with Delbridge and Jamison, um, and uh, Delbridge and Toivonen both got yellow cards as a result of a bit of a clash close to close to the ninetieth minute, which was really just handbags. I thought. I mean, to say but, something about the game, it did look like a, a quite a good defensive performance from both sides, yeah. really. But um, Delbridge and, and Curtis Good were were pretty impressive. I thought. Um, yeah, look, kept, on, on kept Toivon and Quiet on Fox Sports, they were gassing Delridge like you wouldn't believe. Really, I can't remember who it said, who who said it. It was it, like there's only so many people that it could have been, but someone said that Delridge is the best or one of the best, at least in the conversation. Chill out, guys. He had a good game. No, no, <laughs> hear me out. One of the best penalty area defenders in the league, and I was like, what? They get stuck on the weirdest players sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> And look, I've been watching Delbridge now as a like a city regular attendee for the last sort of two, three years. He's a slabhead. Yeah, look, he's he's decent in the air and he's relatively quick, but yeah, there's not a lot else to him. He gets stuck in with the occasional tackle, and even uh, Curtis Good did have to cover for him uh, a couple of times when he was either caught out of position or just as a good covering tackle. I said in our preview that um, Cam Sober needed to lift and. Um, I think he had a really good game. It was, it was, uh, you know, sort of a bit dis- like it was a shame that it got. It was a shame right? that that goal got cancelled out because and it was a tell you what, good finish and it a great was a run, great run, a great finish. If he, you know, he was a couple of centimeters, um, you know, back timing that run just a little bit better. That just would have been a fantastic goal and a great moment in a derby, which we'd all all be talking about for a, for a better reason. But um, no, I, look, I think, and, and if he is going to be in that team deputising for Cruz when Cruz is out injured, he's going to get a lot of minutes this season. So <laughs> uh, things are looking positive for him. Hopefully that, you know, even though it gives you it, uh, that 
got chalked off. Hopefully, that does still give you a bit of confidence. Yeah, I think Kurtz uh, has to encourage him a hell of a lot. And look, I don't think Cruz is expected back as early as next week. So look, Cam Sober's going to get more minutes uh, in the short term at the very least. So yeah, like you say, hopefully he goes on next week and, and puts in another good shift. Um, there was one other final odd moment that I that I thought from this game where there was a um, there was a free kick near near the corner flag. I think it was maybe two meters in from the byline, quite close to the corner flag. And um, basically, you'd think most teams would set up as if it was a corner, right? Um, but uh, not in this case. You had uh, Ola Toivonen went out there, and the, the big man who look we've shown oh, himself yes. to be pretty handy at free kicks. Uh, he went out there and he shaped up like he was going to shoot and was like, you absolute peanut. What are you doing? Like, why aren't you in the box? Like, just getting in there for a header. That's that's what you're there for. You're a, you're a monster. Like, you're a monster in the air. This is, this should, this is, this is you. This yeah. is, this is set up for you. But instead... I think you said it on Twitter, Tommy. This is the Harry Kane taking free kick moments. Yep. Yeah, yeah. At Euro 2016. Spot on. Um, I thought you were going to say your annoying moment was Lawrence Lawrence Thomas wearing the zero because of um, I think it was in support of their towards zero road toll um, campaign that it's associated with the victory. I, I thought you were going to be this. I thought you were really going to be twitching over that. Well, I was at first, and I, I posted on Twitter. Um, Does anyone know what what it, what the deal is? I think and, that's and what someone, it was. No, no, someone yeah. confirmed. Ah, uh, yeah. And then I later saw. Um, uh, Melbourne Victory's Twitter said, like, explained what the issue was. Uh, at first, I thought it was almost like another shirt gaff, like sort of Brisbane Roar esque, where like the numbers just like the number two fell off. But I realised that the zero was actually centred on the jersey. But um, so I, no, I actually I, I like that. Like, yeah, it was weird seeing a zero on it. But look, um, we talked earlier about um, clubs not getting some of the community stuff that's out there um, with Western United, not not understanding that it was like uh was it uh, gambling harm awareness week awareness week um but look uh, i worked with a guy who whose uh, wife was killed in a car accident and one of his children was left um uh, seriously injured like permanently um with a, a whole bunch of permanent injuries from the car crash and i saw some of the work that tac did in support of this guy and his family and like a lot of people complain about the TAC component of their rego, but after seeing the support that they were providing to, to TAC, I, I cannot think of a, a better organisation that, that does genuinely need our money. And they do a lot of great work in the community as well for people that really need it. And a lot of the time, they're very innocent people that are just unfortunate victims of circumstance. And Victor so, have been involved in um, in this campaign for a, a number of seasons now. And um, and they, they do they do, do a lot. They are yep. a very well-run club and they do a lot in the community, particularly um, with these um, good community awareness campaigns and, and support that kind of stuff. So, I mean, good on them, but... Zero on the shirt. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're talking. Still triggered by it. We're talking about it. Doesn't matter how good a cause it is. You hate it anyway, Colby. That's right. No, well, I'm, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, words in your the mouth, means but. justify the ends. If I'm <laughs> triggered by it, we're talking about it. So that's great. True. Um, look, let's move on though. Uh, into to the Woos first match. They went to to Wellington, uh, across the across the the Tasman, um, to to Wellington. This was a bit of a, a spicy match because uh, obviously he had Rudin and and his crew that he'd managed to take over to Woo. One um, trade of three snakes, Tommy. Yeah, and like. I wondered pre-game if this was going to be a big match or sort of what was going to be what the atmosphere was going to be like, and you saw that with um, within the first sort of two minutes, Durante got a couple of touches and Curdo got a touch as well. And every time Bur- they went near, did the- you say Durante? <laughs> 
sweet, nice. Um, but yeah, <laughs> both both players were just copying an absolute booing from the fans, and like uh, a part of me they liked eased it. up towards the, the end of the game, um, the yellow fever, but it was though, it was wasn't quite it? consistent. Yeah, and look, um, it uh, did also have. Uh, uh, Wu's first goal. They they were the ones that opened uh, opened things up on the thirtieth minute with uh, Bessart Burisha. Um, Who else? Yeah, I know. This had Bez written all over it. We, this kind we, of snake derby, <laughs> that that kind of atmosphere. And who He's else? Like King of the Snakes, isn't he? Who else? But King, King of the King Snakes. Of the snakes. Oh no. Um, but this I thought was actually a pretty pretty nice little goal. Both the the two uh, wing backs combining, Connor Payne and Josh Risden, um, sort of almost combining in like a Liverpool like fashion. Not saying that it was quite as good, but uh, wash your mouth those, out, Tommy. No, come on. It was it was a great it's combination. A, it's a compliment to, to the woo. I thought uh, it was but, a great combination, and like I mean, Rudan's got Connor Payne looking like a good footballer. I mean, if yeah. if that's not the I sign, I was calling of, him a bad egg last week. Remember? If that's not the sign of a good coach, look, I don't know what. Is. Like, you know, next you're going to be telling me that Popovich is going to make Osama Malik a good footballer. <laughs> it could even, uh, what do you reckon, Andrew Hull will rock up and you'll be able to turn him into a good footballer. He's not Stop that good. Uh, this, this, <laughs> the thing that stood out to me in this match, Tommy, was uh, Diamante just mm-hmm. pulling the strings. Ex uh, West Ham legend Diamante? Yeah, he looked fantastic. Um, I, like, yeah, you just never know with these guys who come in and, yeah, they're class players and they've got an absolute, you know, Good pedigree, yeah. Great CV, but you just never know how, how they're going to go in the A-League, but he, he looks like he's just going to control this midfield. Yeah, and, and look, I guess they, they do need a little bit of class because um, they, they're they a new team and they, they need someone to really sort of uh, take take these games by the scruff of the neck and like he really did that and, and showed that he's he's the real deal and he's he's going to be a really dangerous player for the for this league and for, for the Woo this season. Um. Another player who I thought... Uh, so, I thought David Ball had a pretty decent game for Wellington. That touch where he almost got that goal. Yeah. Wow. Uh, arguably, probably deserved a goal, um, but just didn't really pan out for him. And I thought he would have been really disappointed to have not got one. Um, something that I'd never picked up from previous seasons was Curdo's dive when he doesn't need to dive. The courtesy dive. The courtesy dive. I'd, I'd never seen this before. How did I? How have I missed this? But this is ridiculous. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love a courtesy dive. Um, Joe Hart, Joe Hart in the uh, when he was playing in the Premier League was always a big courtesy diver as well. <laughs> no matter like if he was not going to get near it, even if he was diving late, he'd also always give you one. Yeah, and look, there was um, there's one one moment that I do want to touch upon, which was that that real. Uh, there was an odd moment uh, right towards the end. I think it might have even been in injury time where. Um, the game was just like a bit of a rabble, and the referee has given he's blown his whistle, but no one's really sure why. And then he's kind of just given it as a... Like, it was inside the penalty area, but, like, there was no offence that it had occurred. And everyone's kind of looking around going, well, it's our ball, it's our ball. And uh, the referee ends up giving it as, like, an indirect free kick, but, like, another 10 metres back. And it was just a really bizarre moment. It was just, like, peak trash A-League refereeing. No idea. Uh, But, look, uh, so next weekend, uh, more than a game, myself, Colby and... I feel like almost every other... I think pretty sure Damo's in. But Damo's there's, in. There's, there's going to be a bunch of other just football-following friends that I have that are really keen to go down to uh, to Detroit to watch some of... Um, to watch some of uh, Western, the Western United's first home game, which, look, um, we've seen how... Um, 
football games at round stadiums, big stadiums aren't always uh, aren't always ideal. But I, I'm really looking forward to next weekend. I, I think they're going to put on a decent show. They've shown they're a competitive team, and um, it's a bit of a shame who they're playing. I'm pretty sure they're playing Perth, aren't they? So yeah, look, I'm actually excited be- to see it. I mean, I think it's going to be a real. Um, marker of their season I think um, get a result here and you think this could be really the start of something special this is a good little win to get them off the mark yeah Wellington gave them a good game and we can talk about them in a minute but um, have, yeah, have you ever it, been down to uh, was it GMHBA G- yeah. yeah no I yeah. haven't been down there yeah, um, so I'm, I'm very keen to get down there especially for yeah their, their first game in the A-League um, should be a good afternoon it's that early time slot on a Saturday and they're playing Perth the, the, the sort of favourites um, to, to win the Premiership so Fingers crossed, we get like a nice day because if it's you know, if it's raining and a bit shitty, that'd be a, put a bit of a dampener on it. But otherwise, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for it, and it's it's always nice to go to a brand new stadium that you've never been to as well. Um, but yeah, so the Woo do play against Perth next weekend, and they hosted Brisbane in uh, what was it was the final match of the round. Um, Funnily enough, in this one, uh, Jamie Young didn't start for Brisbane. He had Max uh, Crocom, who stood in as goalkeeper while Young sat on the bench. Colby, you know, you know oh, why well, this happened? Um, or? No, he's he's been brought in for to give Jamie Young competition. Um, and, and I said that in our um. So Jamie uh, Young's lo- you're losing. I, uh, yeah, at the moment. <laughs> well, you know, it remains to be seen. But um, in our season preview, yeah. I, I said that that Crockham's. I um, mean, he, he did get one he or two young games player in the preseason. Or he's a he's a he's a player. Um, or? Yeah, he's a, he's a New Zealand um, international. So okay. yeah, he, he he'll um you know he'll he'll give Jamie a good run this season. And, and look, that's interesting to me because a lot of people are saying Jamie Young plays really good under competition. But I, like I don't know my memory of um the couple of seasons where Jamie Young was battling it out with um, Mike Theo. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Brisbane, um, Jamie just did not look confident for a lot of those seasons and he made mistakes when he came back in. I personally don't think that's good for a goalkeeper. I know it's great for other positions all over the pitch to have heavy competition for spots, but I think goalkeepers... Such a confidence position, I think goalkeepers are different, and I think Jamie Young's a confidence player. I don't know much Mm. about Max Crocombe, but um, Jamie Young... He's been pretty good for the last couple of seasons as well. He has been elite when he's been the undisputed number one. Elite? Easy. A-league elite. Thank you. But... I'm I'm ve- I'm going to be watching this with a lot of interest um, when Jamie Young does, and he will um, get you know his share of games. I think they will share games this Ugh, season. I, I I don't like it when teams do that. So um, yeah, let's let's watch this space. But mm. um, that's one thing that I'm quite nervous about. Yeah, Max uh, Crocom was called into action pretty quickly though, with uh, Fauna Rolly showing uh, he hasn't lost any of that beautiful hold-up uh, playability. Um, with just three minutes into the game, he was combining with Economides, who shot just wide. Um, another 30 minutes later, you had Fauna Rolly, Castro and Economides all combining uh, to make a 1-0, and I thought this was a pretty delicious goal, wasn't this it? This was a beautiful this goal. This was all of the best parts of each player all combining to make a really nice goal. And the nice finish goal. by Economides as well. Uh, the chemistry between the three already just looks so good. Um, uh, yeah, scary um, what this team is going to be able to do this season. I'm, I'm really excited to see Fornaroli and Castro play. I was a little bit worried that there wouldn't be enough pace sort of between the two of them and that might cause issues. But um, but it's the awareness. It's it's yeah, it's their football the brains, basically. That movement that they have and their ability to... And, and you saw it in that, what, that first chance that... 
the way that Fornaroli just chested the ball around, knowing where Economides was going to be making the run, it was yeah, yeah. that's that's. Going I think Economides is going to eat up that service as well. Like he, he does have genuine pace, and um, it's going to be really it's going to be really great to just watch that uh, that forward line play together. Um, I really I used to love watching Fornaroli play for City because there's no other player like him in the league. Whether you like him, you don't like his ability him. to hold a ball up is he's, unbelievable. He's like five foot six or something like he shouldn't be able to do that but he just is so good at using his body and I hope I um, look putting his goal scoring ability to, to one side and he's pretty handy with the ball at his feet as well but just I hope kids watch him and go oh yeah I want to be able to do that too because it's such a unique skill in the A like no one gets near him in terms of hold up play I think um, but uh Look, the, the final sort of key moment in this game was uh, it looked like Perth were going to hold on to all three points, but um, as it turned out, um, Brisbane got a late, late, late equaliser. Um, and look, Bozzer and Slats on Fox Sports were saying that um, you need a really big team spirit to equalise so late in the game. Is, is that sort of something that's starting, that's coming out of the camp? That's that the noise? That was, oh, and that's been coming out of camp all pre-season as well. They've done like three trips in pre-season. Mm. Um, you know, they've been out to regional Queensland. And to, out to the Gold Coast. Yeah, Cambodia. the Goldie. They've, they've been they've been frothing on the Goldie <laughs> together. So um, they're, they're a very together group of, group of players. No, but I mean... Yeah, they've had a big preseason, a lot of a lot of away trips, and that's been a big focus of, mm. of Fowler's is just coming in and this getting this group together. And you know, people talk about this, the you know, the Brexit squad, and there's no big money names in there or anything like that, and lack of star power on the pitch. But yeah, look at that second half they had. I mean, first half was a bit abject, but they came out firing after that, and they earned that last minute equaliser. It was just yeah. all Brisbane pressure in that second half. Um, you know, on on the road against this year's last year's premiers and. This this year's favourites, uh, and you could see what it meant to the whole team when that goal was scored as well. You had Robbie Fowler running onto the pitch. You had the assistants. You had the whole bench running onto the pitch. You know, for a point away against Perth, like that. That just shows you the fighting spirit, and that's gonna that's gonna surprise a few people this season. Yeah, I, I was genuinely surprised. I thought like Perth, Perth, we're just gonna wrap up the points and off they go. Sort of three three points at home. See you later. Thanks for season. coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, didn't really seem to be that way. Um, another player who sort of caught my eye was a Marty Holloway. I thought he looked really tidy. Like, um, and I thought he was a, a young player, but. Wikipedia says he's, I think he's Welsh, isn't he? Yep. Um, and Wikipedia also says that he's a forward slash central defender, which um, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, get a man that can do it all. <laughs> um, look, we'll cut now to um, oh, we did get a we did get a, a question, question. Yeah. Uh, from <laughs> friend of the pod Matt Olson. Um, he uh, he says that um, in one of Robbie Fowler's press conferences, he said that uh, travel fatigue. Uh, for overseas players, is a bit, a bit of a myth. He said that um, our boys can be on a stuck, can be stuck on a coach in traffic for six or seven hours in the UK. It's no different to a five-hour flight to Perth. Um, Colby, what are your thoughts on on Robbie Fowler's um, comments? Yeah, I was thinking about it when the question came in, Tommy. Um, and I, it's I the actually, problem with us all having access to the to the Facebook, no, and the Twitter, this is, isn't this it? is good. No, we've got we've actually got a chance to consider some of these questions. Like, oh, I haven't heard about this this myth personally um that a league travel you know travel like in in the a league is somehow worse than the uk obviously we've got to you know go the distance derby mate no yeah the distance (laughs) derby obviously but um you know certainly i think that regularly traveling five hours by plane is worse than regularly traveling one to two hours by bus but yeah if you're comparing six to seven hours on a bus in the uk versus five hour flights then i I guess i'd have to agree with robbie there Mm, interesting 
Um, all right. Well, I think we're going to wrap up the A-League there. But uh, next up, uh, Socceroos versus Nepal. And also we'll very quickly touch upon uh, Socceroos versus Chinese Taipei uh, later this week. He does. He scored on international debut. Harry Sutar. Remember the name from Fleetwood Town. And his mum, Heather, born in WA, will be super proud of this very moment. Okay, so uh, late or uh, well, mid last week, we had uh, the, obviously the Socceroos hosting uh, Nepal in Canberra. Um, look, the the result was um, was probably a bit of a foregone conclusion even before the game. Socceroos running out five nil victors. Um, I think for me, the the best positive here is that they kept a clean sheet. They kept concentrating. Um, they didn't lose their heads or or anything like that kept concentrating, didn't make any silly mistakes and didn't let the other team into the game, really just strangled the life out of it. So, pretty, pretty complete performance. Um, Colby, how much do you think we can read into games like this? Uh, I, I would like to see more. I would like to see more goals. Um, I'm, I'm completely... It's not did. often I am, but I'm completely with Graham Arnold on this. I want to see the. I want to see uh, you 30, know thirty-one nil American, yeah, American yeah. Samoa. I want to see him absolutely like clean sheet is first and foremost. I agree with that, but you know there are a few chances in this game. I just would have liked to see them be a bit more clinical and really like, put teams really, like really this to their, the sword. Because like there was a moment I think when they were about twenty minutes in where they had their foot on uh, Nepal's throat. Um, and it really looked like it could have gotten uh, really ugly because they, they were knocking the ball around nicely, and it, it almost seemed like every time uh, the Socceroos got the ball, it looked like they were going to score or go very, very close. Um, but yeah, like I think in the second half, they sort of lost their way a little bit. Sort of the intensity sat, uh, dropped out of the game. You can see that bit. everyone knew the game was won. Yeah, and and that's that's I think mentality wise, that's that's very hard to fight against, and and that's that's True. down to the manager, but also down to the leaders on the pitch to keep everyone focused as well. Yeah, big time, big time. And look, this um, we've talked for the last couple of years about how like this this team, especially with Yedinak retiring, there aren't necessarily like those big leaders in the squad. You've got Matty Ryan, who's obviously a senior player, but he's a goalkeeper. And I'm not sure if he's like that sort of like bellowing sort of... Um, he's pretty... Vo- he looks pretty vocal. Yeah, I but think he I has mean, improved a lot. It's always hard, like as you say, for a goalkeeper. You, you... Um, and then the other probably next most senior player is Moy. And we all know Moy is a very sort of quiet, like lead by example kind of player. So... Again, like we we are missing someone who uh, can just what what we were saying about Mitch Duke, who just keeps everyone going and motivated and and concentrating. So something I guess um, that might have maybe concerned Graham Arnold um, as as the match wore on. Um, Harry Suter um, both made his debut and uh, got a goal. Um, did did impress you as a as a centre back? I rated him. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he gives us something a bit different. He, he, like the, the frame is he like the, Jesus Mark II? The frame and the size of the bloke. Like he's a unit, set, isn't set he? pieces alone. Like He just gives you something a little bit different. I don't think he's a guy that you'll want starting every single game. Um, probably, you know, probably not against like elite-level opposition either. But, yeah, but um, like against a, a smaller teams like this or, you know, in, 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 in moments you can, you can throw him on and... Not, know, not only yeah, that, but like we do face up. In. Yeah, we do face up against some pretty tricky opponents, like the likes of Jordan. Uh, in a month, we play Jordan. Well, I think he'll be a horses for courses player in games like that in Asia, where you know we might want to nick something from a set piece. Yeah, that's that's not a bad shout. Um, f- also, uh, like we just mentioned about sort of some of the leaders in the team, um, Moy and Ryan. Do you think we should be bringing them back for games like this, where like Nepal, Chinese Taipei, they're they're battlers on the 
on the world scale, uh, on the sort of the world stage kind of thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Like the the Oceania days where you had like players sitting in Europe who didn't fly picking back for choosing. the games, picking and choosing. That was an absolute farce. I think that. Uh, and, and plus it creates it creates a situation where you have other players who are winning caps more easily and that is a bad situation that you don't want as well because you want every single cap for your national team to be absolutely earned and you know if these guys like your Jimmy Jegos and like who, whoever else who would be coming in your bloody Andrew Redmaynes and stuff like that are, are coming in and, and winning caps um, because Matty Ryan and um, you know Aaron Moy have stayed home that doesn't create a good situation in the team either. Um, you know, everyone needs to be there justifying their spots at all time and fighting for every cap, even if it, no matter who it's against, doesn't matter the opposition, you need to be there every game. Fair enough. I think um, there might have been a case maybe a year ago or if circumstances were slightly different, if Aaron Moy was still playing twice a week um, for Huddersfield or Brighton, but he, he's had a little bit of a period where he was out of the Brighton team, and so I think that might have freshened him up a little bit as well as just an off-season where they weren't playing a lot of games. So, Like, if it's a coach's he, call, like, I think um, Graham Arnold gave Moy um, one of the camps off and, and when they had mm. when they played, uh, I don't know who it was, it was one or two games, they were pretty low priority. I think they might have even been friendlies, and, and Graham Arnold said, look, you know what, like, Aaron and um, Matty, you know, have a rest you guys have been playing a lot of football mm-hmm. and if it's a coach's call then I can maybe understand mm-hmm. but you, that can never be that can never be a player's call fair enough um, one final question and it's not really it's sort of semi-football related um, the game is played in Canberra do you think there should be more games uh, played in sort of like outside of Brisbane Melbourne Sydney yeah definitely take, take these games to Adelaide Brisbane doesn't get many games mind you We've, uh, yeah Brisbane have had I think like a handful of games mm-hmm. in the past, like, five years. So I guess that's one of the problems. Melbourne and Sydney, though, like, 100%. Sydney gets every second Maroos game just about. So. Yeah, it does feel a bit that way. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? So um, it does feel as though, like, Perth and Adelaide, they've all both had um, since in the last, uh, I think, two years. And so it does feel as though we are getting more of a spread Um but I guess there's, there's kind of two schools of thought. One is that you have a, a permanent home of the national team, sort of like how England always play out of Wembley, but even that, they're starting to sort of mix up a little bit. Or it's just they play everywhere and anywhere. And Canberra are mad for football too. They're like, there was that game and then there was a game in the Asian Cup where and both of the crowd sizes were like 18,000 and mm. like there was a big banner in this game in Nepal, like, you know, give us an A-League team, no, yeah, Canberra. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... I mean, you know, if the, if the people are coming, true that. Take them back. Um, in, a, in a few more days, the the Socceroos do play against Chinese Taipei. Um, Cobb, is there anyone who you really want to see get mins uh, minutes in this one? Smithy, give it Smithy. <laughs> get my boy on there. He, he's been playing regularly for um, Seattle Sounders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your boy, you know all about. Been him, following don't you? him with interest. No, he's been coming. He's been coming on off the bench a bit. He's actually had a pretty heavy competition for his spot, and I think he was because he was injured a couple of months ago. Yep. Um, he's sort of had to fight his way back in. But yeah, he is. He is um, getting pretty pretty regular minutes uh, there as well, and and they they like him. Fair enough. Um, and in terms of like tactical changes, do you think um, we're going to see like a pretty sort of similar sort of structure, or do you think that we're going to take a, a really different approach in this one? Oh, I think we will see a pretty similar four three three from Graham Arnold. Um, I know he did make a few tweaks in the in the Nepal mm-hmm. game when he brought on Giannu, um and sort of played him up front with Maka. I don't mind that. I don't mind seeing particularly Maka play mm-hmm. with a strike partner. 
um, because I think he needs it. He's a bit mm-hmm. one note, um, yep. and he, he plays. Wouldn't good disagree with, with that. He mm-hmm. plays. He plays quite well with a with a strike partner. I wouldn't mind seeing Lecky in that role potentially, but I know mm-hmm. he's. You know, I know we like him wide. Um, but yeah, look, I don't mind a few tweaks, but you know, stick with stick with what you know. I think as well, like, and and you know, you don't get too many opportunities to get the national team together and have them all playing a style and a system. So, like, to, to, on the one hand, like, sort of don't don't mess with it. Yeah, like, we have to we have to get ready for the next round. Like, this is about getting everyone onto the same wavelength so that when we play top-level uh, competition, who we, we're going to in, in a month's time, we're going to be playing Jordan away, which is going to be really tough, as I mentioned. Um, but we need to be ready for that. We need to be prepared, and so everyone's on the same wavelength. Um, I, I really want to see Awan Mobile get a, a few more minutes because I think he was really exciting. There was a guy at my work who's not really football mad but but watched the game anyway on ABC and he said, oh, yeah, that, that African broke. Uh, and I said, oh, Awan Mobile. And he went, oh, yeah, whatever his name is. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, but look, he, he said, yeah, he was really exciting. He could tell like he was really skillful. He was quick. And I thought, oh, that, that's great when you when you see a non-football follower and, and they get excited by someone. Like mm. You can tell like that, that player is then really tapping into something really sort of ethereal kind of thing. But I think Luongo is, is going to need a so bloody so bloody stiff to not get minutes um, in, in, like, in the past, like, I don't know, two years. Um, you know, He's been he's been playing well. A bit well. of a disappearing act, hasn't he? He's been playing well at his new club, Sheffield Wednesday. He's got a he's got a oh. goal for them, playing good minutes. You, you um, can mention you can mention. I can mention Sheffield when, Wednesday when Damo's not here. <laughs> um, but I think he really deserves some minutes. I'd like to see Rogic get some minutes. Um, get him in the sh- is he with the squad? I don't think so. And look, I I want to uh, see Rogic in the shop window. The man man's got a lift. True, yeah. Um, like what um, Angie used to do with players, just he, you could tell he was basically giving them minutes so that he could, could get he a could deal, pump their move. pump their domestic. Well, no, I liked that. I actually really liked that because uh, you we know have a pretty shallow base of we have of a base. Players, he was trying he was trying to grow the base. He was trying to put them in the sh- the shop window for the ruse to to sort of enhance their um, domestic career because that then feeds back into the national team, and I I'd, I like to see that so. It's it's not a bad shout, but I guess this is this is an important part of our of our campaign. So I'm not sure now is the like the ideal time to do. That, Rogic is not a guy that you're experimenting with, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, but look, Chinese Taipei. What's your prediction for a score uh, for the score? Uh, I'm going to say six nil. I reckon we might concede in this one. Um, I'm going to say seven one. I'm also looking forward, Tommy, to this uh, seeing. Um, the uh, the stadium they're going to play at Kaohsiung uh, National Stadium in Taiwan. Just showing off with the pronunciation <laughs> for those playing along at home. Kobe does uh, Mandarin lessons and stuff. I don't. Do they speak Mandarin in Chinese Taipei? Or? Yeah, they do. Okay, they right. do. Um, <laughs> and um, cultural ignorance. Yeah, look, this is. I don't know if you've seen it. The the design of this state. It's like a fully environmentally sustainable stadium. It looks like the design of it's supposed to look like a curled up dragon or something. <laughs> and that the sort of scales on the roof are like over 8,000 8, solar panels oh, and wow. the entire... So it looks a bit like Amy Park? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's it's a little bit open. Someone said it looks like a question mark, um, <laughs> not a curl-up dragon, but um, it basically it, it powers the entire stadium and like 80% of the local area's power requirements. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and it was it's like been constructed out of completely like environmentally sourced materials and so I'm, I'm pretty keen to, to get a look at it. Hell, that sounds actually really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I've gassed it a couple of times already on the pod uh, about the importance of uh, Jordan away um, 
next month. It's, it's still four weeks away in the next window. Uh, it's going to be our toughest test, definitely, of this phase, particularly because it's away. Um, look, I, I don't think we're probably going to do a preview for that one. So Depending be, on the timing, we, we may, yeah. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on like a, a score prediction for that one? Um, a little bit, a little bit far away, I know. Yeah, this, a little bit far away. Announced, but, but I mean, we've we've uh, we've always struggled in those um, fixtures away. Um, I I would be happy with a point on the road. Um, it would be great if Agreed. we could win and and try and dominate teams away. I think that would be a real marker of progress. But uh, if we do if we do get some time on the pod, we might give it a little prediction a bit closer to the date. But that that those are really the things that I would want to see out of that game. It's it's good timing, I think, because like Graham Arnold will have had an opportunity to play against some weaker teams, sort of build build the structures, and then it's a case of all right, you've been practicing now, go and do it for real, mm. which um yeah, so I'm 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 quite excited for that. But uh, look, that pretty much brings us to the end of the pod for this week. Um, look, thanks for thanks for tuning in. Obviously, uh, by now, if you're a regular listener, you're already on us uh, on the on the on the socials on um. Twitter and, and Facebook, but if you're not, uh, more than a game pod uh, podcast on Facebook or MTAG podcast on Twitter. Um, we've also got an email address. It's more than a game MTAG pod- podcast. MTAG at podcast gmail. at Gmail. Thank you. Um, Send us emails. We check them sometimes. Yeah, I don't think we've ever. No, got we an probably. Email, yeah, have we? I don't think have we got an email before. Maybe I need to send us one just to prove that. Nearly Yoa sent us an email, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that went. We just kind of left that one, didn't we? <laughs> but um, yeah, look forward to to catching the football in the next week or so. Um, look forward to speaking to you again soon. See ya. Yeah.